Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the City Baptist Church Podcast. We would love to have you join us for a service in person. You can find all the information you need on our website at citybaptist.church. You know, church, it is a joy this morning for us to know and to understand that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and that the faith that leads us to that salvation is something that is so powerful, and it gives us a sense of confidence that goes beyond the difficulties of this world. And this is the theme that Peter is going to continue with here, the theme of salvation, the salvation of our souls. And he's going to encourage us this morning by reminding us to never stray far away from the joy of your salvation. You know, salvation is something that as a church we should never tire of preaching about. It's something we should never tire talking about. I know sometimes we say, well, I'm familiar with salvation, I'm familiar with the gospel. Why are we talking about this? Because it is everything to us. It is the foundation, it is what we build upon. It is something that really God has done for us in an amazing way, and it is the need, honestly, of every single person in this room, and it is the need of every single person in our community. We need salvation, and we should not be ashamed ashamed of speaking on it. Any church that does not major on talking about salvation is not truly a biblical church. And so we want to make sure that we are talking about the Bible message of salvation. One commentator put it this way. He said, the Bible is the book in which salvation truth has been revealed. It is not the purpose of this book, he says, of of the Bible is not to uh, teach us things that we can otherwise discover for ourselves. God has created us with an amazing reasoning power, things that we can discover. The Bible is not just a handbook of history, although it contains a great deal of history. And the history it does record is unerringly accurate. The Bible is not just a textbook of science, though it speaks to many different scientific uh, facts and themes, astronomy, meteorology, physics, and medicine. The themes that are in there are totally inherent as well. It is not a treatise on uh, legislation, although it contains a thoroughly comprehensive legal code that is so, you can tell I didn't write this, right? That is so sublime uh, as to be the foundation of all modern Western civilized code. It is not a book about psychology although it speaks with authority on all matters of human behavior. He says, primarily and ultimately, the Bible is a book about salvation. That's what it's all about. It is about salvation, and it goes beyond the reach and the scope of human reasoning. It tells truth that can be known only by revelation. It tells us what we need to know about salvation. That is what the Bible is all about. It is all about salvation. And this is precisely what Peter here is going to continue to focus on in the next verses that we're going to cover today because it is something that we as believers need to return to time and time again because listen church our salvation is precious isn't it our salvation is precious it is worth knowing and it is something that is worth sharing and Peter does an amazing job of reminding us about the unique and special uh, special salvation that we have in Christ and the way that he does that is by looking to the past so that we can understand and appreciate the grace that we have received. Now this past week, as you know, was Remembrance Day here in Canada. And it's a day that we set aside as a country to remember the sacrifice of those that have gone before us. Primarily, it is to remember the sacrifice of those who have fought in battles and world wars and different conflicts to maintain not only the freedom of other countries, but primarily to maintain the the freedom of Canada and our country here. And we're thankful for that, and we celebrate that, and we should, as believers, give thanks to those that have have gone before us and, and made the sacrifice so that we can have the freedom we have today. But one of the reasons that we do that is because without remembering the past, we would not appreciate what we have today. 
Without remembering the past, we would not appreciate what we have today. Now, on November 11th, it was also my grandmother's 90th birthday. And so we got all the family together on a Zoom call. And, of course, she didn't know where to look. Look at the screen, Grandma, you know. And we got her there. And, and we had all the, all the extended family. And it was awesome to see her open some cards and talk to her, you know. And one of the things I love about my grandma is that she has so many great stories about my family history. And whenever she tells me these stories, I'm like, really? That happened in our family? And guess what? It makes me thankful for where I am today. <laughs> thankful that I'm not... Uh, where maybe someone else might be. And so remembering the past, looking back to the past, helps us to be grateful for what we have today. And this is what Peter's going to do here in these next few verses. He is going to remind us of God's love for us. He's going to remind us that love existed even before Jesus came to this, this earth. You know, as New Testament believers, we often, we look to the cross, don't we? And we thank God for the cross, and that is the the evidence, that is the revelation of God's love for his people. But Peter goes back even further than that to remind us and to show us that God's love has always been there. And I'm so thankful that we can recognize the gift that we have in our salvation. So Peter's going to do this, and he's going to do it by sharing three truths, uh, truths with us about salvation. These are truths that I think every Christian should know. These are truths that we should be reminded of, and as we further our study together here as strangers and pilgrims, I believe these are truths that can help sustain us through the difficulties of life. There is a reason that Peter is building the foundation of salvation, okay? Oh, that kind of rhymes, right? The foundation of salvation. And and whenever you read the Bible, you got to recognize there's often the writers are building upon things. And so this is, again, the foundational building block for what we're going to start talking about next week, which is how to walk through trials, like practical ways to walk through trials. But for right now, he wants to remind us about our salvation. Now, number one, the first truth that we're going to see here in our passage, well, let's begin actually in verse number 10, and then we'll get into our points. He says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Okay, which salvation is he talking about? Verse number nine, the salvation of souls. Okay, so the salvation that we understand that's found in Jesus Christ. So he says this, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Okay, what are the truths about salvation that Peter here is giving to us? The first one that we see here is that salvation was proclaimed by the prophets. Salvation was proclaimed by the prophets. Look again there at verse number 10. He says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired. Notice they searched diligently and they prophesied of the grace. And then verse number 11 talks that they searched it out and they testified beforehand as well. Now here's what we need to understand. The necessity of salvation began after the fall of men. We know, of course, there was the subsequent uh, worldwide flood that represented God's judgment upon the earth, but then there was a need for a group of people that would stand out among others who would proclaim the message of salvation. And here's what we need to know is that centuries and centuries before Jesus Christ came into this earth, there was a group of men, uh, Old Testament prophets, uh, prophets, who prophesied and spoke about and wrote about the fact that the Messiah, Jesus, was coming to the world. These men, they preached, they taught, they prophesied about the sufferings of Christ, they talked about the glory of God that was to come, and of course, the grace of Christ all throughout what we call today the Old Testament, the Old Testament uh, law. Sometimes, of course, the idea that people, well, what happens is this, is sometimes that uh, when we look at the Old Testament, we almost kind of in our minds compartmentalize it a little bit, and we're like, oh, that was kind of a different thing. We don't really understand what was happening here. But here's what I want you to know, is that the people in the Old Testament, the prophets and those that followed Christ were actually saved the same way that we are saved today. 
And I want to illustrate that for you real quickly, because I think this is very important for us to understand when we're talking about prophets and them speaking of the sufferings and the glory of Jesus Christ. Like I said, we're going to have to kind of put our heads together today, all right? So let's really focus in on these, on these passages. So we get the idea that somehow people were saved differently in the New Testament. We say, well, how did Jesus, you know, Jesus wasn't there yet, so how was it that they get, got saved? Was it by following the law? Sometimes people believe that. Well, maybe if they, you know, they obeyed the law and they did the sacrifices, therefore they were saved. Well, Romans chapter 4 is a great book that talks about that. If you want to turn there with me, Romans chapter 4 today, and uh, we're going to do a little Bible study in the book of Romans here and reveal to us something that I believe is very important for us to understand where Paul, the apostle, makes it very clear that the Old Testament way of salvation was the same way as New Testament salvation, which is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, to prove his point, here's what Abraham does. He po- or, uh, Abraham, here's what Paul does. He points us, uh, the, it's out of the bag. He points us to Abraham is what he does, and he points us to him, and he quotes Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 6, but it's in Romans 4 verse 3 where he says, for what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, why would Paul go ahead and talk about Abraham? Well, there's a reason for that. The reason is, is Paul wants us to remember and to know that Abraham believed by faith some 400 years before the law was even put into place. So he's showing us that, okay, there was faith in God before the law. Therefore, what we understand then is that the law is not exclusive to this salvation in this, in, in this way. Later on in the chapter, in verses 6 through 8, Paul proves to us that David was saved by faith. He does that by quoting Psalm 32. And what he does is he's establishing again that in the Old Testament, the way of salvation was through faith alone. Later on in chapter 4, again, verse 23 through 24, he tells us that righteousness is imputed or credited or given to those who have faith in God. And so whether it's Abraham or David or us today in the New Testament, we all have the same access and way of salvation. We have to remember, church, that salvation through Christ is not just a New Testament principle. The Old Testament contained it as well. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, it says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. As early as Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, we see the promise of a coming Savior. All throughout the Old Testament, there are promises after promises after promises that the Messiah would save his people from their sins. Think about Job, one of the oldest books in the the entire Bible. He said this, he said, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. What was Job talking about? He was looking to something that was to come in the future. And Old Testament saints and prophets were aware of the promise redeemer that was to come and so they were saved by faith in the coming redeemer the coming messiah we today in the new testament era are saved by what has already been done for us in jesus christ and so on either side of that if you have jesus here in the middle whether you're on the new testament side or the old testament side we are all looking towards the same place we're all looking towards the redeemer the old testament prophets they were prophesying and they were talking about the one that was to come because they even understood that there was no other way that a person might be saved acts chapter 4 verse 11 says this is the stone by the way this is a quote of psalm 118 verse 22 this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders which has become the head of the corner and then verse 12 neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and i want you to know 
this was the salvation of men like Isaiah, Ezekiel, David, Joel, Hosea, and more that prophesied and searched diligently to understand it. They were saved by looking forward to the coming Messiah. Now, here's what's so interesting about those prophets. They didn't even really understand all that they were talking about. I don't know if you saw that there in, uh, in the verse, and I'll bring it back up here for us in verse uh, number 10. Notice how they had to search diligently. They had to, uh, um, they had to really search it out. And they inquired. Notice that. They inquired and searched. That means like they were trying to understand what they had just said. Now, I thought that was just so interesting because they, God spoke to them through the Spirit, and they maybe prophesied and wrote things down, and then they had to go back and study to see what they wrote. It's kind of like if you ever looked at one of your like uh, fifth grade papers, you know, from, from elementary school and you go and you're like, man, what was I trying to say here? You know, I got to study this out, except this is a divine prophecy from God and it's given and, and you have to study it out and you have to understand it and try to figure out what it was. And so they would go and they had questions. Specifically, we know the Old Testament prophets had a lot of questions about Christ's sufferings. They wondered, what is this? What does this mean? They knew about the sufferings of Christ. They knew about the glory of God. So what does this all mean to them? And they had to study it out and try to understand it. And so what Peter is doing here is he's telling us about the prophets to encourage us to realize what we have today. I think what he's trying to do is remind us of the fact that we have Jesus, and now we have something that even the prophets didn't have. We have the completed word of God, which is such an amazing, amazing gift That is given to us. Think about it. The word of God and the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is what those prophets longed for. It is what they searched for. It is what they desired to experience and desired to see. They never saw it come to its fulfillment. But guess what? Today, we actually know that. We have the fulfillment through Christ, and we have the completed word of God so that we can know something that even the prophets of old didn't know. And so when we look at Isaiah and we say, wow, Isaiah was an amazing, amazing man, you have something that he never had. That's pretty amazing to me. That's pretty amazing that God would entrust me in 2021 with something that Hosea and Joel and David and all of these great people of the past didn't have. He entrusted it to us. Jesus once told his followers in Matthew 13, he says that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see. Think about that. And have not seen them. To hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Now, that sounds really similar to what Paul or Peter said to those believers there. He says, blessed are you who have believed, you've not seen, you've not heard. And then Jesus even said, there's been many that have come before you that have not heard and not seen what you have seen. Here's what I, I want us to understand, church family, is we have an amazing privilege to have this truth that is given to us. It is an amazing, amazing thought that God would give us this. We have the ability to understand the prophet's writing better than the ones who prophesied about it. Think about that. We have the ability to understand in this amazing way. But the thing about the prophets is that even though they didn't understand it completely, they still boldly proclaimed it to their generations. They still boldly prophesied and wrote for the generations to come. And to me, their example is such a challenge to all of us. It's a lesson because we today have such a wealth of knowledge about the Lord. We have such a wealth of knowledge about his salvation in the scripture. We have the ability to search it out, to cross-reference it, to to, uh, look at it at our fingertips. If you have just a a basic smartphone, you can look up things and cross-reference and study the Bible like those prophets might have have fought you for that. They would have loved to have that, that, that information. 
But yet often we just leave it to the side, don't we? And when Sunday comes, we pull it out of wherever we left it when we got home and we come here and, oh yeah, that's right, and we try to study the Bible, even though we've neglected it for this, all, this whole time. But yet these prophets with just such limited information studied and searched and went after the things of God. And really, that's what we need to do as believers today. We need to inquire. We need to diligently search. Be like the Bereans who go and look and see and study and mine out the wealth that is found in this scripture here. Salvation is wonderful, and the ancient prophets proclaimed its truth. They searched its wonders. But Peter gives us a second truth about salvation here as we continue down to verse number 12. And he said this, salvation is shared by the saved. So it's proclaimed by the prophets, but salvation must be shared by the saved. Look at verse number 12. He says, unto whom it was revealed, he's still speaking about the prophets here, it was, it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Now, we can note here right at the very outset that the Spirit revealed to the prophets that many of their prophecies would not happen in their lifetime. Notice that there at the beginning of the verse. He says here that it was revealed, but then not unto themselves, meaning they understood that when they were prophesying, especially about many of the end times things, they would not actually experience that or see that in their own lifetime. So they recognized that. But yet, they still continued to... uh, prophesy and continue to share those things, and I really believe they wanted to see and hear and understand what was to come. And it was an inspiration by the Spirit, just like he inspires us and apostles and missionaries and pastors in the years to come. But here's the thing. They were promoting this through the Spirit of God. God was speaking through them. And the point that I want us to understand is that we today also proclaim the gospel. We also proclaim salvation. And we also, like those prophets, do not do it in our own strength. We do it through the power of the Spirit of God that works in us. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What is he saying here? He's saying you're going to receive power, but that power is not going to come from yourself or from anybody else. It's going to come from the Holy Spirit. And so when we understand salvation and we, we look at it and understand what it's all about, we recognize that it is something that goes from us, but it comes from the Spirit of God. If we are not, or if salvation is not empowered by the Spirit of God, it has no power at all. And that's a critical aspect that we must recognize when it comes to our salvation. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12, it says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom, all, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnestness of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is God's seal on his people. So when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become his very own. Now, in this verse, there's an interesting word here. It uses the word uh, earnest. I don't know if you see that there. Uh, Right there in verse number uh, 14, he says, which is the earnest of our inheritance. So there's the seal of the Holy Spirit, and it is an earnest. Now, if you ever bought something expensive before, sometimes they ask for something called earnest money. You guys know what that is? You ever heard of that before? Um, so when, we, when my wife and I bought our first house, which was when we lived in Texas, my earnest money <laughs> for my house was $500. 
That's pretty impressive, eh? 500 bucks to like, oh yeah, you can buy this house, 500 bucks. That's all you needed to, and I didn't even have it. I had to borrow it from somebody. I had to borrow it from a family member. Can you imagine? I couldn't even come up with $500. I had to borrow it in order to buy a house. And yet, even though I had no money, they still let me buy it. But anyway, the house was really cheap, in case you were wondering. It's not Vancouver real estate, that's for sure. But we had to put up this earnest money. And what that money did, I couldn't, if I walked away from the deal, I wouldn't get that money back. I would, just, I would lose that $500, which was huge to me you know, at that time. Thankfully, I <laughs> moved on from that a little bit. But uh, man, it was a big deal. But it was, it was what I was saying is that, okay, listen, I'm committing to this. I'm going to put this money forward saying I'm committed to buying this thing. If this is, I'm, I'm committed to this, making this my possession. Now, here's what we understand. Jesus and the Holy Spirit to us is the pledge. That word earnest means pledge. It is the pledge uh, that is given to us. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is a down payment on our heavenly inheritance, which is to come. And Christ, of course, we know has promised. He has secured us at the cross. And here's the thing. Because the Spirit has sealed us, because the Spirit has indwelt us at our salvation, we then can be assured of our salvation. It can be locked down for sure because no one can break the seal of God. When God commits to something, when God puts that earnest down payment of the Holy Spirit upon you, what he's saying is, is your eternity is secured. You are not, there's no way it can be taken away. Now think about that. God, God is the one who secures your salvation. And because of that, we then want to share and spread that good news. It's a powerful thought to think that the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work of salvation. And I'm so thankful for that because I don't have to do it on my own. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to be super, a really good boy to earn salvation at all. It is given to me by the Holy Spirit, and it is a proof of the fact that one day I will enter eternity with God, and no man can take me out of his hand. And we need to share that gospel truth. We need to share that, that truth of salvation because so many people today live so insecure, don't they? They live so insecure. And as believers, the security of the believer is the fact that it is God that does the sealing and nobody else. He is the one who secures us. We are gifted with the privilege of sharing his truth with the world. So that's the second truth that we see. But thirdly, I want us to notice kind of an interesting thought here that salvation is adored by the angels. Salvation was proclaimed by the prophets. It's shared by the saved. We're to share the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. But thirdly, which I know, of course, my slide says two. So it's point number two, two, I guess you could say. Salvation is adored by the angels. Let's look at verse number 12 again. <laughs> Let's move on from there. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven. And then look at this last line, he says. Which things the angels desire to look into? Now, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Okay, so we're talking about salvation here. We're talking about uh, the grace of God, the spirit of God, all of these great, amazing truths that we know. And then it says here that the angels are looking into it. <laughs> they desire to know what is going on here. Here's what we understand. Salvation is something that is so glorious. Salvation is something that is so amazing that the angels stand watching it take place. 
Now, now this, is, this, is, this is sort of an interesting thought that we have here. Because remember, angels are not able to experience salvation, are they? They are not uh, of this world. They are in the spiritual world. That's why we never see salvation being offered to Lucifer and those that rebelled against God. Sometimes I always wonder that. Well, why didn't God figure out a way to, hey, Lucifer, you know, here's, here's a way of salvation. It's because that's not available to them, because they do not operate in the world. We have a special gift of salvation. And so because of that, the angels see it, and they are amazed by it. That's why to them, to the angels, what God is doing in salvation is astounding, and it is glorious, and they stand in amazement at what God is doing. If you could put yourself in heaven at that time, I don't know if you can imagine when mankind sinned against God and God, I don't know if he did this, maybe turned to Gabriel, to one of the other angels there uh, that are in the throne room of God and said, what am I to do now? I'm sure if it was uh, one of the angels, they would have said, well, they need to be punished just like Lucifer and all of those others. They need to be cast into everlasting destruction. But yet God said, no, this is my creation and I'm going to provide a way of salvation for them. And I think to the angels, they said, "Woo! this is amazing. This is remarkable. This is different. The word that's translated desire to look into, it means to peek into a situation as an outsider. Maybe some of you have neighbors like that, you know, you always see their blinds, you know, they're always watching. They're always looking into your situation. They're trying to see what's going on uh, in your, in your backyard. They're watching uh, what is happening there. See, the angels, we understand, watch. They actually see, and they, of course, we know, minister to believers. But we also know in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10 that all powers in the spirit world, whether good or evil powers in the spirit world, actually receive their understanding of God's mercy and of God's salvation by observing us. That same passage in Ephesians talks about how they observe by watching the believers, Meaning there are quite possibly angels observing what we're doing today, and they're learning about the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the salvation of God. Some of you looked up when I said that. No. <laughs> I don't think they're in the lights. <laughs> but the point is, is they can't really comprehend what God has done in our salvation. Now listen, that, that again emphasizes how special our salvation is. That these created beings of God cannot fully comprehend. They're still studying it out. They want to understand the greatness of God. They know that we are the recipients of God's grace. They know that we are the recipients of his blessings. And the angels also know that one day we will be highly honored in the coming kingdom. But yet they search it out. The salvation of souls, the salvation of the, of the believer is something that they study out. We should never... Whether you're a, a new believer, an old believer, or, or a pastor, or whoever you are, we should never treat the gospel of salvation lightly. It is glorious, it is powerful, it is astounding, and it demands diligence and effort from us. Diligence and effort from us. So the, what I want us to understand this morning is that, listen, our salvation is so incredible that we must give our efforts to studying it out. We must give our efforts to witness. We must give our efforts in prayer and in living uh, out the gospel and teaching and preaching and ministering and serving. It is such an amazing thing that we often lose sight of. And I want to encourage and challenge all of you this morning to just sit back for a moment and reflect on the greatness of the salvation that is given to us through Christ, through his grace, through his love, so much so that the angels wonder and ponder, want to know what's going on. We have something that the ancient prophets never had access to. 
We have an understanding that they didn't even, couldn't even fully comprehend, and yet God has blessed it and given it to us. You know, one of the most important aspects about Remembrance Day, as I mentioned earlier, is that we recognize the sacrifice of those that go before us. And oftentimes in moments like that, I ask myself, how can I honor their legacy? How can I honor and, and give, uh, give credence to those that have gone before me? Well, I think all of us recognize that probably one of the best ways to do that is to simply live as free people. Live as free people. I don't think that they would want for any of us to live as if we're, as if we're in bondage to a king any longer or, or as if we're in bondage to some tyrant. They say, I gave my life, I sacrificed my life or, or, or my time, and I went out and I, I suffered and I, I went through that so that Canada could be a free country, and the best way you can honor them is to live as a free person. Now listen, that's how we also give honor to the salvation that God has given to us. We are thankful for the testimony of the prophets. We're thankful that the angels have interest in the gospel and what's happening, but ultimately, the way that we show our appreciation is living out what they can no longer do or can't do by being a people that live free in Jesus Christ. People who live free from the shame and the guilt of our past because of what Christ has done. People who live free to lift up Jesus Christ in our community, free to share the salvation message with those that we have influence in. And as a church, we honor those who went faithfully before us by proclaiming the word of God, by being faithful ourselves, and by being dedicated to teaching and preaching the word of God without shame, something that they would desire of us. I don't know if we could ever get, you know, one of the Old Testament prophets in the room and say, hey, you know, what do you think we should do as a church? I know what he would say. Listen, live free in the gospel that you have and share it and give it and preach it. You understand it. You have access to it. So put it to good use. See, salvation is the great gift of God, and it is something that we must understand, accept, and proclaim. The foundation has been laid now by Peter, and he's saying to us, you need to know this, because what he's going to get into next, next week, as we continue into our next uh, set of teachings here from the book of 1 Peter, he is going to begin to talk about, specifically, he's going to begin talking about practical aspects to live in suffering. How do we as Christians live in suffering? And I'll tell you this, you need the foundation of salvation before you're gonna be able to move forward in any other way. It is the foundation to everything else. And so I wanna ask you this morning, if you haven't yet, have you accepted the free gift of salvation given to us by Jesus Christ through grace? Thanks for listening to today's sermon. We really appreciate you joining in. You know, if today's sermon was a help to you, we'd ask that you maybe take a moment and just give us a quick rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening. That really does help get the word out and for other people to find our content as well as connect into the word of God, which is really the most important thing to us. As well, we encourage you to, if you want any more information about City Baptist in Vancouver, you can check out our website at citybaptist.ca or follow us on social media through Facebook and Instagram. Our prayer is that you would continue to walk and grow with Christ. And we love you and we pray for you and we hope that you have a great rest of your day.